Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. And I'm excited today, or this evening when we're recording, is joining me today is a a fellow podcaster, an amazing educator, Weston Kieschnick. Weston, how you doing, man? Brent, uh, I'm excited. I got to admit, though, you said you said episode 22. Is that what you said? It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that that makes me that <laughs> makes me feel like, man, I I better talk to my wife and get upstairs and record some podcasts. Like you, like you're gonna overtake me here shortly, and I have no well, excuse. I, I'm I'm worried about uh, yeah, running out of running out of stories to tell or people to talk to. But but there's amazing people to talk to. I just need to find them and. And, and convince them to come on the show, but uh, and we'll talk about your podcast in just a second. But for anyone who is not yet growth mindset yet aware of who Weston Kieschnick is, give give uh, my listeners, my mom and dad, tell tell them who Weston is. Yes, and and my mom and dad too. Okay, so very good. For, for all four of you out there. Um, <laughs> Uh, my, yeah, my name is Weston Kieschnick. Uh, I'm a senior fellow with the International Center for Leadership and Ed- Education. Uh, all your listeners need to know about me is that I love teaching. I love it. Like it's like it's a problem how much I love it. Uh, I love it so much. I married a teacher. You alluded to it. I host a podcast on teaching. I work with teachers every day. Um, and you know, undoubtedly, my kids are going to grow up to be, you know, resentful. They won't be teachers. They'll be. <laughs> they'll just be. <laughs> angry with me for how much I love it, but that's fine. I'm going to fight the good fight. Um, I, I, I love teaching. I taught high school history for 12 years. I was a school administrator uh, in uh, both a high school and in an elementary school for a bit. Um, and I just, my, my heart uh, was aching for the classroom in some way, shape or form. And so I love the work that I get to do now because I get to travel around. And in addition to, you know, speaking at conferences and stuff like that, which is really fun, uh, I get to actually get in there and do the work and elbow teach and elbow coach alongside uh, what I consider to be some of the finest teachers in the country. And that that's awesome. I love your Twitter. I mean, you your Twitter bio says what you just said. Like, yeah, I love teaching. <laughs> Seriously, it's a problem. It's I a mean, problem. And I, I first heard you speak and met you for like 60 seconds of me getting to come up to you and shake your hand in person and say, wow, that was amazing. Last January at the Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Google Symposium up in San Jose, and you told an amazing story. And that's, I'm not going to ask you to retell that story, but you are the perfect person to come on the podcast because you are a very good storyteller. And you alluded to, you have the opportunity to get into classrooms that and 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 work you said elbow to elbow shoulder to shoulder alongside some of the best educators in our country and i thought wow that would be cool if you could just share some stories of some of the great stuff that you're that you see on on a daily weekly monthly basis i mean cuz let's be honest i mean education gets a bad rap oftentimes yeah know? In, in the news, it's and and it's and it's and it's completely undeserved. It's completely undeserved, and I and and I'm sure I'm like you, Brent, in the sense that like when when education gets a bad rap, I I take it personally because you you can't knock education without 
knocking the teachers who are out there in the trenches doing incredible work on behalf of kids. And I, and I get, I, I have a really visceral response to it because I get to see those teachers every day and I get to see what they do for kids every day. Yeah. Same as you do, same yeah. as you do in your own school. And, yeah. and so I, it, I, I take it to heart. I take it personally because there's some amazing things happening. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't judge us by our, our worst specimen or something. I mean, like, is exactly. are there people out there who aren't, Yes, there are, but that is the exception to the rule rather than the rule, and I want to highlight some of the amazing things. So, I mean, if you would, I mean, can you share something that you have seen in the classroom of just examples that somebody who might be listening be like, oh, wow, that that's cool. Let me, I'm going to try something like that. Yeah, so uh, it, I, I'll, I'll share a couple of different stories, right? A couple of different stories. Uh, one, uh, one was of a teacher. Um, her name was Francine, right? And Francine was a foreign language teacher in Minneapolis, Minnesota, right? So she's, she's up there in Minneapolis, and she's working with her kids to teach them Spanish, right, uh, in, in a high school class in Minneapolis. Uh, now, she was going through the exact same sort of trials and tribulations that every single foreign language teacher in the country, more or less, mm -hmm. goes through, which is we, we don't teach foreign language in the way that we know people learn it, right? Sure. People learn a foreign language by, surprise, surprise, speaking it and hearing it spoken. Yes, immersion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, immersion. <laughs> But, but, but immersion is so difficult uh, in, in your typical high school foreign language class or, or elementary or middle school for that matter, just yeah. by virtue of the fact that there's typically a grand total of one native speaker of that language, right? Sure. And so how do kids learn foreign language? Well, they do a lot of verb conjugation. They do a lot of like open the book and let's learn some vocabulary. And we know the retention level on that strategy is super low. 501 so, Spanish verbs. I remember when I took Spanish. And, remember. You remember because yes. it was painful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to learn and I wanted to learn Spanish, but yeah. it wasn't until I got into college and took an actual conversational Spanish class. Exactly. That I really or actually when I worked in a restaurant for five years and worked with people who spoke Spanish native, that's where I learned. That's where you learn. That's where I learned it. That's where you learn. That's where you learn. It, it, it didn't matter how many vocabulary words you were going to crack open in that class. Like you were never going to become a fluent speaker that way. And Francine was an incredible woman because she actually spoke six languages with fluency, right? Uh, she was, she was incredible. And so she's, I mean, that, that tells you something about her just in and of herself, right? She's obviously clearly a really motivated, really innovative person. And I remember I walked into her class uh, one day and, and we were doing some coaching work and she was just, she was going back and forth with how frustrating this was for her to be able to teach because she was a relatively new foreign language teacher at the time. And so we ta started talking about some ways we can integrate technology and I don't want to take any credit for what she did because a couple, uh, a couple of months later, I came back and found that what she had done was she had said, okay, here's how I know kids learn foreign language, so here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, so she had hopped online and she had partnered with a school in Mexico City um, and for the first 15 minutes of every single class, and she partnered with the school in Mexico City because the time, uh, the time zone lined up perfectly. Vertically, they lined up perfectly. So she said, okay, for the first 15 minutes of every class, uh, we're gonna have kids speak in a talking team, 
right? And seven minutes, uh, so the first seven minutes, they're going to speak conversational English. And the second seven minutes, they're going to speak some conversational Spanish with about a minute debrief time with their talking buddy at the end. Because wow. those kids in Mexico City needed to learn English, English and her kids needed to learn Spanish. And uh, so every single week, she would work in collaboration with the teacher in Mexico City. They would come up with uh, five prompts to use in the following week. And then Francine would, in her class, identify some vocabulary that she wanted to use, some verb conjugation she wanted to happen. And then they were logging on and on Skype at the time, were speaking in talking teams is what she called them with their partners in Mexico City. And their language fluency over the course of the remainder of that year increased dramatically. Oh, sure. And it was, it, it, and it was it's unbelievable. And, and everyone wants to talk about, you know, quad D learning, whether it's the rigor relevance framework, or you want to talk about SAMR and, you know, that R redefinition, like that's redefinition. That is redefining oh, sure. what is possible. And, and, yeah. and, and, here's, and here's this teacher, just Francine, just, you know, just working away, just grinding away in a school in Minneapolis. And I, I hate that so few people know that story because there are thousands of Francines doing things like that for kids all over the place. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned the rigor, relevance, and engagement. I mean, I, again, I go back to my myself. And I, and I again, I wanted to learn Spanish as a, as a high schooler and a college student, but not everybody does. But I'm thinking, what about the student who is in that class? What kind of – you crack open a textbook or look at the screen – and see kids in Mexico City. How cool is that? Actually, yes. Talk, I mean, yeah. relevance. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah. Engagement. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. I yeah. mean, how much better is that versus open to page fifty-three? Here's your list of vocabulary words. To the, I mean, that's study for the test. Get the test out of the way, and like not. Like, look at how well that answers the question that every just like, <laughs> like it just high, every high school student will ask, like, why do I need to learn this? Well, yeah. here's why. Yeah. Because, of, uh, because other people speak this language, because this world is big. Yeah. Right? And, and what a great, what a, I mean, the main event obviously is the language acquisition, but at the same time, the processional effect of that activity is the recognition that they are part of a larger global community and that that may have been the most important for sure. kids who never learned Spanish that may have been the most important thing they learned in those lessons oh yeah absolutely absolutely and well and the technology that's available I mean you and I are talking right now via Google Hangout that's that's how we're doing this and yeah. and virtually I mean I won't blanket it and say everyone but pretty much most of our classrooms now have the capability to do this. I mean, I may be overgeneralizing there, but um, I work at a Title I school in Southern California, and all of our classrooms have the ability to do what you and I are doing right now, to do what Francine was doing. And I just think how many teachers are out there right now who are thinking, Spanish teachers or something, thinking, oh my gosh, I would, I would do that. I'm, I'll yeah. raise my hand. I would sign up for that. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I would argue there's a lot of them, but I, but I bet there's some listening to this podcast who will say like, yeah, I would do that. Ah, but I, I don't know how I'd even go about linking up with a person like, Hey, jump online, run the Google machine for a bit. And like, 
you know, like let's let's get our hands dirty and get in there and try to figure some stuff out. So uh, my my sister's a perfect example. So my my sister also a teacher. Oh, puke! Like oh, Kishnek. Like, <laughs> you know, like how many how many teachers can you possibly you know procure from your family? But my sister, I I, I turned her to the dark dark side. She's a teacher now as well. After having not been a teacher for a long time. Okay. Uh, but I, I talked to her and, and told her that story about Francine and this year her, uh, her kids were reading the kite runner and she was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could, and she teaches as a really rural district up in South Dakota. And she was like, wouldn't it be really cool if I could give my kids a more global perspective? So she hopped online, started Googling folks and linked with, uh, with an author out of Afghanistan who was there during the Russian invasion. And he Skyped in with her entire class and like, I mean, talk about drawing a line of connectivity to like, hey, here's a piece of literature that you're reading and now let's make it real, boom. Yeah, well that's the beauty, yeah, and the beauty now of social media and Twitter and things like that, that I mean, not nearly, but that reminded me, I read a, a, a book called Arnie the Donut. Yeah. It's a picture book, I mean, it's <laughs> awesome by the way. If you're looking, it's the, anyone listening, if you're looking for a great picture book with like the pictures that are, that the kids like, but the adults like even more because there's a lot of hidden things in there. Whole story is about a donut that doesn't realize that he was made to be eaten. Nice. And, and halfway through the book discovers guys about to eat him. What, what are you doing type thing? Anyway, I tweeted the author and said, hey, just so you know, love your book. I'm going to be reading this to all the classes in my school this coming week. She tweeted back the next day. Saying, "Oh, that's great! Send How me, cool is that? send me pictures." How cool was that to then show my students and say, "Hey, guys, check this out!" Put the tweet up on the big screen and say, "Look at this." She, the author, knows that we're reading this. Look, she wrote back. How that, cool is that? And that's the neat thing that, like, my daughter, who was a sophomore in high school, is a writer. I mean, she loves to write. It is her goal to do something in the field of writing. And that's the cool thing that she's, she's already started writing a book. I mean, which she would love to get published someday. But the neat thing is she has the ability now to go out there and tweet authors. Yes. Or, or I mean, which was completely unheard of. No, you were, you were having to write the, the equivalent of fan mail before. Yes. And that's and that's one that's one thing that I'm not sure people fully understand. You know, uh, uh, social media some, sometimes gets a bad rap as well. Uh, but I but I don't think that people have discovered that one of the incredible things about social media is that it's made people and wisdom and knowledge and expertise like it's made it accessible. Yes, which yes. which is. We, you know, that, that story about the author is, is perfect. Like it, it didn't used to be that you could get, you know, ready-made feedback from the, uh, from an author of a book you were reading in the moment. And now it's instantaneous. You can get it if people are accessible. It's all, and it's all about how you use it. I yeah. mean, it's like I've done sessions at conferences to try to convince educators, for example, Twitter, you got to yeah. get on Twitter because I've learned more from Twitter in since 2009 when I joined then my 21 years in education of organized PD preach combined I mean it it, 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 it is but it's kind of, I think the, the perception is well I don't care what Kim Kardashian is doing well then don't follow Kim Kardashian, don't follow Kim Kardashian. it's like I don't I follow educators right I follow, uh, educators with a 
with a uh, tendency to share resources about educational technology or podcasting or administration or leadership. Those are who I follow. And I don't follow the Kardashians. I don't yeah. follow athletes because I don't care what yeah. they're doing. That's all about how you use it. Exactly. And the beauty is you, we, you have that choice and, and the connectivity that comes. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, we're bird walking here a little bit, but I'm great with it because I, the beauty of things like Twitter is that, I mean, you, you and I have been connected yeah. on Twitter for a while, but, in, but this is the first sort of other than that 60 seconds. Exactly. You know, first real conversation. Yeah. This is the first real conversation that you and I have had, but mm -hmm. it doesn't feel that way. It feels like you and I have had hundreds of different conversations, but just by virtue of our, our engagement on Twitter. And I think, and I think that's, there's, there's going to be people out here listening to your podcast who are on Twitter, but they're not really on Twitter. They're just lurkers. They're tweeters, right? They're, they're, they're consumers. And, and one of the best pieces of advice I got a year ago from Eric Scheniger, he was just like, dude, like start yeah. engaging with people on Twitter. It yeah. makes the experience exponentially better and the learning infinitely more robust. And he was 100% right. Because I think everybody, you, you have something to share. Everybody has something to share. And I think oftentimes we doubt it. It's like, well, what do I have, what do I have to share that, 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 that Weston could pick? I mean, I always like to say, I've said this in multiple episodes, there is somebody right now in the world on Google searching for what you have. Yes, I, I, whether, you're, whether you're a fifth grade teacher, high school teacher, college professor, kinder, whatever, somebody wants what you have. And that could, be, that could be a lesson idea. It could be a podcast episode. It could be anything. Yes, it could be a struggle that you've had in your class. Yes. And you, you have the capability to save someone from that same sort of crash and burn moment. Uh, and, and more importantly, save their kids from that crash and burn moment and prop them up to be more successful than they otherwise would have been. Uh, absolutely. Like well, if, that, if that doesn't just ring the tuning fork inside edu any, any educator, like I don't know what does. Like yeah. look at the exponential impact that you can have. Well, Todd, Todd Nessaloni, uh, principal. Love Todd. Love yeah. Todd. Did you, I, his, he, he just posted a blog post just the other day about, it's called SCARS. Scars. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 oh my gosh. I mean, it completely resonated with me and I was able to tweet him back to saying like, thanks man. I've never met Todd. Yeah. I, I mean, in good chance I probably never will because we don't live in the same state yet. Right. His words through his blog post that he shared via Twitter made an impact in my life. Yep. And, so. and, and, and Todd is Todd. Todd could be one of those guys who, could say like, oh, I don't know what I have to share. But Todd has had that sort of internal paradigm shift to say like, no, like I, I'm not just going to be con a consumer. I'm going to offer something. And his blogs are great. His book, Kids Deserve It, is yep. awesome. I'll plug yep. Todd's book all day. Like that, that book is incredible. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, there's amazing stuff out there for those who are willing to go out, seek it out, and be contributors to the community. Yeah. And you said you had it. Did you have another story that you wanted to? Yeah, I do. I, I so uh, it's it's one of those where you know here's this great story of Francine, and then there's this other story, and the the person that comes to mind is is Amber. But at the same time, like uh, this could be anyone. This could yeah. be anyone because I've I've experienced this 
you know, probably 150 different times where I go in and I, I watch a teacher. And, and, and so much of the coaching that I do is very ed tech centric. You know that. Yep. But for any listeners out there who don't, uh, so much so much of my work is in the ed tech space. And I went in and watched Amber one day, and there's so many things out there in the ed tech space that are really, really cool. And so uh, Amber was really excited because she had found Edpuzzle one day, and she had found Google Forms and kind of the functionality that exists in Google Forms and all the graphical data that you can pull out of there. Uh, and she had found it was some other back channel, like uh, maybe it was maybe Today's Meet or something, if my memory serves me correct. So she was like, okay, like we've got computers, like we got Chromebooks, and now I just found all these tools. And so I walked into her class one day to do an observation, and she did station rotation with her Chromebooks that she had just received. And at each station, kids were engaging with Google Forms, with Today's Meet, and with Edpuzzle. It was like, <laughs> it was a tech extravaganza. And keep in mind, she'd had her Chromebooks in her room for all of about four days. Wow. Right? And so, you know, obviously, she goes, she teaches her lesson. It's an absolute nightmare. It's yeah. an absolute nightmare because she spends the entire lesson managing the tech. On, on, the te on the tech and not the content. She's managing the tech. She's managing the kids on the tech. The kids are like, what the hell is going on? And it's a middle school. Yeah. So it's just like the, the whole thing devolves into a complete nightmare. Right, and I'm sitting there in the back in the back of the class, and and just kind of watching and doing some observations, trying to give her some, you know, like, hey, it's okay, like let's talk about this at the end. And she gets done. The kids shuffle out of the room, and she looks up at me, and she was like, "Well, I'm never doing that again." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa." Uh, and, and so we, we coached her through that moment. We talked about the excessive number of tools that she was using, but like we talked more specifically about that moment of like, whoa, I'm never doing that again. Um, and, and I like, I like to tell that story about Amber because Amber is so many people out there who try tech for the first time in their classrooms and it goes really poorly and they're just like, whoa, I'm never doing that again. And I know where you're going because I've seen this picture that you have tweeted. Yes. Go, go there. Yes. <laughs> so, and, 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 and I'm just like, man, like as teachers, that can't be our mentality, no. especially as teachers, because we would never allow that of children, right? Yeah. Think about if we allowed children to do that with something like reading, like, oh, whoa, that did not go well the first time I tried it. I am never doing that again, right? Or, or with basic, talk. yeah, like, <laughs> None of us would ever learn anything. Yeah. And, and so I, I want to reach out to teachers out there because there's a lot, of, a, a lot of teachers who have likely just had a lesson like this and yeah. have decided to hang up their ed tech hat. Um, and so many, so many of the struggles that you're going through are so easily fixable um, with the right coaching, with the right introspection, with the right self-reflection. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of zeroing in on one thing that you just want to get really good at. Uh, sometimes you have to go really slowly before you can go quickly. And that's, it's, it's a big piece of the puzzle I think that's missing. Uh, it's why I love Amber's story so much. Well, I think as, as a site administrator, as a principal, when I go into classes, uh, kind of leap piggybacking on your story with Amber, I've told my teachers, guys, I would rather see you trying something to engage students that doesn't go perfectly than a quote unquote perfect lesson right. 
that is not engaging that that the kids are compliant but not engaged yes. wow look how quiet they are look how look how well behaved they are in the rows and no one's talking to it i would totally rather you see see them try something try tech try one of the things oh try a mystery skype or try something and maybe the tech doesn't work okay but did you see the kids even though yeah. the tech didn't work did you see them did you see them waiting and anticipating waiting for the other i mean even if it doesn't work you had them you had yes. them and and that's what tech can do even if it doesn't work all the time not if it's not going to work all the time it's that's not, part yeah. of <laughs> when that's part of tech yeah it is not going to work all the time but but just the cool factor just the engagement factor just that alone is going to pull a lot of kids in and bring that I, I, yeah yeah and, and and that and that was and that was the case that was the case with amber for those who are willing to invest in the short-term pain towards the benefit of the long-term gain like success lives in that space and the the great the great story about amber is that amber is now a like station rotation master like i could walk into amber's class tomorrow and uh, unequivocally, I wouldn't be surprised at all if her kids are using Edpuzzle and using today's meeting, using Google Forms and station rotation, bam, 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 bam. But she took a step back and she worked up to that and she wasn't content to say, well, that didn't go well once and now I'm, uh, now I'm gonna ditch it. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's, it's, a, it's a mentality I hope, I hope all of us uh, adopt it at whatever we're struggling with in any part of our field. And that's, gosh, I mean, every episode, I hope that there's like one nugget. I mean, that's, that's it right there. When you try something and it doesn't go well, notice I use the word when yes. you try something because we're going you're going to try something. Heck, I try stuff all the time. It's like, well, that didn't that didn't go real well. I'm not I mean, I got it still gotta come to work the next day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> type, type thing, because uh, we're never gonna learn anything, like you said. I mean, failure if we never failed, we're never learning. We, I mean we ask kids to do it all the time. We better be okay to model that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. No, I, I just, I, gosh, I love those. I love that story about Francine and, and, and the technology and, and, and Amber with the technology. Now you, EdTech is one of your specialties and, and you are sharing and you've got, you wrote a book, Bold, I, Bold School. I did. I did. My, my new book, Bold School, is, is right up your alley, Brent. It is chock full of stories. Um, yes. So it is, it, it, it's, uh, we, I, I, I talk about, uh, I talk a lot about some of the things that we talked about at the, at the front end of this podcast, right? How I don't buy into the notion that education is broken. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard Jamie Cassip speak. Uh, he, is, he is excellent. He's excellent. He, he wrote the foreword for the book. He's, uh, for those who don't know, he is the uh, education evangelist at Google. Um, also doesn't buy into this notion that education is broken. None of us would have gotten anywhere close to where we are right now without the great educators in our lives. And so uh, the, the long and short of bold school is how do we take our old school wisdom, like the wisdom of our past, the wisdom of our forefathers, the wisdom that's been going on in classrooms since the dawn of the one room schoolhouse, and how do we match that with innovation? not throw it away, but yeah. how do we match old school wisdom with modern innovation to create blended learning that actually works for kids and for teachers, right? And so there, uh, there are a ton of stories about, hey, like, 
how do we, t so I'm, I'm a big fan of John Hattie and John Hattie's work. Uh, mm -hmm. So the, the, the question in the book is all about how do we take those high effect size strategies, those things that we know work with kids and how do we use digital tools to elevate those strategies to make them more efficient and more effective than they, than they ever were before. And so we take stories like, you know, folks like Francine and folks like Amber and folks like all these other amazing teachers that I've seen. And I highlight, here's an instructional strategy. You know, here's how you take direct instruction. Here's how this teacher took Kahoot to elevate it to the next level. Here's what they, you know, were doing wrong the first time I saw them. Here's how they fixed it. Uh, and it's, it's tools for immediate implementation in the classroom so that teachers can meld high effect size instructional strategies with uh, blended tools with efficacy and with efficiency. Oh, that's, and I, that's awesome. And I love, I love the fact the whole old school, bold school. I mean, there are tried and true strategies without technology that still yeah. work. That, that works. Still effective. And, and I think so often people, the pendulum swings to the other side. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, everything has, no, 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 no. I, I heard it. One of my former principals used to say the best teachers could teach under a tree. Yep. And, and, and I firmly believe that when the tech did it, Plato did it. They, yeah, you can. and how'd that work for them? And it, it worked, worked pretty, pretty well. well. So, yeah. Taking, taking the, the old school wisdom, I think you said, and, and blending it with Skype or Google Hangouts or those types of things. And, uh, yeah. And it, it, and I'll just, I'll just tell you what, when, when I, when I go, when I go in and I do work with teachers, you know, my biggest messaging to them is that I understand I've sat in their seat so many times that, their perception is that the arrival of technology or the arrival of a person like me, the professional development guy, <laughs> represents the departure of everything they love about teaching and learning. And one of the first things I try to do is, is help them to understand, like, that is not the case for me. No. I, wanna, I want to find the thing about teaching that you love, the thing you are great at. If you are the direct instruction master, if you are the Socrative seminar master, let's use technology to elevate those things and make, them, make you better at them Even better than before, not take them away from you. I don't want to create this nation of station rotation and flip learning drones. That is, not, that is not my desire. Are those great strategies and tools? Absolutely they are but they are not the best fit for every teacher. And we have to uh, approach our coaching, especially as it come, as it pertains to ed tech with a, a bit of a more strengths-based uh, approach. Oh gosh. I, when does it come out? Uh, it is out June 5th. Uh, it, oh. is it is available for pre-sale now. Uh, so if you go to leadered.com forward slash bold school, it is there for pre-sale. You can get 30% off right now. Otherwise it'll be available in print, uh, by July 5th. And I'll be, um, uh, a featured speaker at the model schools conference, uh, in late June and, and the book will be available there as well. Oh, that's why I'm, I will definitely be picking, picking a copy of that up. And, uh, before we go, I, I do want to promote or plug your podcast because for anyone listening Weston's podcast is called Teaching Keating and your format is is brilliant basically i mean i love anyone listening every every week you and your wife Molly yes, yes my wife Molly take a different uh movie or television show typically movies and Talk about very conversationally how it relates to education, and it is awesome. Well, thank awesome. you, man. And, I, and I, 
I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I, it's, it's been a humbling experience, that podcast for me, because uh, everyone who gives me feedback on the podcast tells me their most favorite part about it is my wife and usually how she gives me such a hard time. So, Well, and, and, and Molly, if, uh, I like his um, Sean Connery. I think he has a very good Sean Connery impersonation. Now dog. Socks are poorly designed. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So thank you, thank you. I I will be I will be bragging to my wife that you said my Sean Connery is on point. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play this podcast for her in the car, and I'm gonna turn this part up super loud. <laughs> <laughs> so and 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 the one they're they're all great, but but I got to tell you for anyone listening, your Snape episode. Ah, Snape with Chris Weber. Chris you Weber. Hope, and you talked about RTI, response to intervention, and Professor Snape from Harry Potter. If you're familiar with the Harry Potter series, uh, Severus Snape, basically the not the bad guy, but but anyway, that episode is stellar. So cool. I don't even remember what number. It's one of your earlier episodes. It's one of the earlier episodes. And that is a crowd pleaser. And I can take no credit for that. That is, that is Chris Weber. Anyone who wants to know anything about RTI needs to wrap themselves in Chris Weber's work. That guy is brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. That, that was an amazing talk. I mean, it was mostly RTI and then you had a little snape at the end, if I recall, but yes. I mean, I've listened to that one more than once. So, but where can they find that podcast? Uh, you can find Teaching Keating on uh, iTunes. You can find it on your podcast button on your phone, that one you keep scrolling by if you're wondering what it does. Uh, you can find it on there. You can also find it on my website, CoachWeston.com, on Google Play, on Stitcher. Um, just It's all over the interwebs as, as yours is. So, And hey, great job on your podcast. I, I tell you all the time on Twitter, uh, I love this podcast. It is great. Uh, you, you do an excellent job. You make me feel like I need to step up my game. Like I said, you're on episode 22. I'm only on like 25 and I started well before you did. I'm like, okay, Brent makes me feel like such a slacker and you're, you're crushing it. Your podcast uh, is great. Well, that, that means, that means a ton, my friend. Thank you very much. I, that really, that really means a lot. I, I'm just trying to keep up with you. Please. So, no, thank uh, you. Thank you. You are, you are contributing to the community in a huge way. And if, if people need to follow you on Twitter, they need to listen to your podcast. Like, you you throw some great stuff out there. Well, thank you. They, uh, that feeling is mutual. Where where can listeners find you on Twitter? Uh, find me at, at Wes underscore Kieschnick, K-I-E-S-C-H-N-I-C-K. Awesome. Yeah, definitely great follow. Again, that your your story you shared about what if that didn't go well? Now what if students did that with reading? With reading. I mean, one of I think that's one of your pinned tweets. I mean, that is so mind-blowing so definitely guys if you are not following weston you've got to follow him on twitter and subscribe to his podcast because it is it's entertaining but it's thought-provoking it's really really good stuff so weston thank you brent i so appreciate you man this was oh, this was a pleasure this was a joy you. that that feeling is definitely mutual uh and thank you everyone for listening really appreciate it as weston said a little podcast button on your phone if you haven't yet uh, subscribed mom that uh, that's uh I, and i'll come over and i'll help you subscribe make sure then you won't have to know you can listen to it all the time and uh uh thanks everyone for listening again if you haven't subscribed go ahead and do that if you like what you hear uh drop us a review and a like we would appreciate it and weston thank you once again everyone thanks for listening until next time have a good one